Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 81. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the host of the Rootless Living Podcast and the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I've been a full-time RVer and digital nomad since 2017. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it is like to live a life that is still full of travel while you're working, aka being a digital nomad. On this episode, I chat with Javier and Shannon, and we get into what it's like waiting until you're empty nesters, selling everything, renovating an older fifth wheel, and then hitting the road with your nonprofit business. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Javier and Shannon to the show. How are you guys? We are doing good. Doing great. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to have you guys. Where are you in the world right now? We are currently in Wisconsin, uh, specifically Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. Or as the, they would say here, Wisconsin. Yeah, we found that out. <laughs> I try to do accents, and then I just really end up offending people, so I've stopped. I, <laughs> I, I know, and yeah, just when you did that, I'm like, no, we don't want to offend anybody. But, no, I don't yeah, think people we, really get offended. <laughs> My mom has this habit when she's talking to someone with an accent, slowly the accent creeps in, and I'm like, mom, you got to stop doing that. I don't think she means to, but it's it's hysterical. <laughs> My father does that as well. It's yes, so yes. bizarre. Maybe it's a, a gender thing, or not a gender thing, a like a... What's the I mean, word? Age thing, yeah, right? like it's it's just a yeah. different generation that they used to do that. It was like a way of saying, "Hey, I appreciate your accent. I'm going to mimic it while we talk." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to compliment you that way, right? <laughs> exactly. So it looks like you guys went full time in April of 2021. So this year, I know a lot of people like to refer to this as the newbies, and I actually i I'm not a big fan of that phrase because I don't remember being a newbie like apartment owner or, you know, renter. It's like, it's just life. It's just a different way of living your life. I mean, yeah, you guys are new to it and it's fresh for you guys still, but it's a quick learning curve. So I want to kind of go back before April of 2021. Where were you guys? What were you guys, where were you guys living? What were you doing? What made you think to actually go full time in an RV? Yeah, good question. So we were, so we were living in California on the coast of California, specifically in Ventura, California. Um, incredible weather, great place to be. We had moved there about 10 years prior and it was kind of a season for us of a lot of change and transition and recognizing that we love the work we get to do, but also there's a season, right? With COVID, everybody was experiencing, um, our girls had, you know, one was getting married. Uh, the other one was doing well out of the house. So now we're empty nesters and just looking at the, the work that we were doing, how can we go and like take what we do on the road to kind of really what began to happen is we wanted to make a move from California, to be honest with you, uh, cost and many other reasons. And so we just kind of stepped back and looked at like our life and looked at where we're at, like how can we impact and reach more people with what we do? How can we have the greatest impact? The greatest impact. And that kind of actually was kind of the catalyst for us in doing this. And I think also there's a little bit of wanting to minimize and scale back a new season of life. Um, and at the same time, like, okay, we can do this. Like we can do it. Like we don't need to stay in California. We can go on the road and even decide where we want to be in the future. And so that kind of became, became for us, like what propelled us into making yeah. this major shift. As for crazy us. as it sounds, it was almost like if we go small, we could go really big. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now, were you guys influenced at all or had any RV experience or was it just an idea just <laughs> way outside of the box? Um, so, a lot of it was your best friend. Yeah, so so we had a friend who actually made a decision. He is a director for a nonprofit, and what we do is a nonprofit. But he was a director for a nonprofit that um, built and worked with children's homes in India, Costa Rica, and so forth. They made a decision to kind of sell everything they had and hit the road. And for them, it was a, the beginning because they had lost a son at six, when he was six years old. Um, and he loved motorhomes. He loved going on the road. They made a decision to go across the country, do the work they're doing, but also in his honor. Mm. And so he went before us and kind of just through conversation and seeing what they had done, that kind of idea began to get planted in us a little bit. And so they were kind of like in front of us. And that was great to learn and experience from them. But also, I think a, a part of it, too, was like, you know, just wanting to do something just radically different. Right. And no, we had not done it before. I've never owned an RV a fifth wheel, a motorhome. I never really even pulled anything. Nope. Maybe a small trailer once in a while, but nothing <laughs> at all that's 38 feet long. Yeah. And so all of it was absolutely new to us. Yes. Very cool. And 
let's talk about a little about the downsizing process. You know, who was that sure. more painful for? Uh, Javier uh, or definitely Javier, one hundred percent. Nice. <laughs> We're not going to lie. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, Damon, for me, it became this process of like, I, I would I would call myself now more of a minimalist, and the reason why is because I had this sometimes unhealthy association with things, and so the and not that I was collecting tons and we spent tons of money yeah. on things. It was more of like, you know, you just buy what you need and you put it in your house and I may or may not use it. So it it was painful, I think, because of that process of just minimizing. But now there's so much freedom in that. But the idea of like leaving and leaving even the house that we had that we sold and that, the cars. That was fine. That wasn't too difficult no. for me or for Shannon. I just remember um, when we were in the house and we were... Basically, what we were doing was the house was in escrow and it was going to close and we were ready to move out. And what we were needing to do was you need to move stuff that's going to go in storage for a couple of years and then stuff that's only going to go in a fifth wheel. So we kind of had these two piles down in the living room of this is long term storage. This is going with us and watching Javier come out with trash bags full of clothes that he says this is going to the Goodwill. And I was like, okay. And then a couple of days later, I would see more bags. He's like, I just found more stuff. I just don't really need all this stuff. So he was going through this own personal process himself of thinning out um, what you really need and what you can really live without. Um, so it was, it was kind of fun and cathartic at the same time. Yeah. And we minimized. And when we say storage, you know, like we have like a five by five with very minimal amount of items because we really stripped down quite a bit. Yeah, I always think of a, a like a good side business would be the five by fives for full time RVers because normally it's just right. like family heirloom stuff. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, the normal yeah. storage stuff. Um, but how, when was the last move before you guys moved into the RV? How long have you been in the house? Three years. We had just bought that house brand new. Yeah. We had lived in that house for about three years. Gotcha. Um, and so we had just purchased that house, and you know, so it was a. It was a big shift, like, you know, moving that house, do everything we did to it. And, and we then, loved like, that house and we loved, loved it, our and neighbors. Then, and then step away for it, yeah. from it. But um, the reward far outweighed, you know, the risk of it or, and, but it's also just a house at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, and not to say that three years isn't an amount of time that you can really grow an attachment to it, but obviously, you know, raising four kids myself, there are times where you look at rooms and you see, you know, just it's generational for for them, you know, it's basically, so that's not as bad, but were you guys shocked about the amount of stuff that you acquired just during the three years or the stuff that you kept from the previous move that maybe you were like, wow, we didn't use this once. Well, what's interesting is how many times we've we've moved, we've moved a lot, Um, you know, bought homes, sold homes and then moved and moved to a new city. And so we've moved a lot and in every move, right, you get rid of more and more items. And then sometimes you accumulate when you move and then you get rid of more. But we actually were living pretty minimal, honestly, like we weren't too surprised because we had really thinned out years before that. And so it wasn't too much, but you still step back and recognize like, why have I had this? Right. I've had this for three years and I haven't touched it. Yeah. And so recognizing sometimes the relationships we have with items and really why do we hold on to it? So this whole process was good in kind of releasing a lot of those things. So yeah, so the process wasn't too bad in letting go. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and you guys, it looks like you moved into or purchased an older uh, fifth wheel and then went ahead and did a remodel it. Now you're mentioning a lot of moves. Is that something that was in your guys's background, like renovated stuff and you were able to just transfer that here to the RV or was that new too? Well, uh, yeah, we've always had a knack for decorating and design. So we've always, uh, the houses that we've bought, we've always done things. I would say that uh, RVs and fifth wheels in particular are a whole nother ball of wax. Um, Yes, it's the same as your remodeling, but the structure and the way that these are built is completely different than a house. So we had a huge learning curve there. Yeah, we did. And so... We enjoyed doing that, but what was important to us is we bought it 2015 and we yes, gutted and remodeled, uh, left everything, took everything out but the cabinets, and we went to that process because we said, if we're going to live in this, it needs to be home, it needs to feel like home, and it absolutely does. It looks like what our house looked like pretty much, 
Um, and so that was with an RV, that was a new process, but like remodeling, refurbishing and, you know, doing what we want to something that wasn't new to us. Yeah. Any horror stories in the remodel <laughs> that you want to scare the crap out oh. of people with? <laughs> One you know, like it's, it's, one of, it's one of the things when, so about 2015, it was parked on an avocado orchard up in California. For we had four years. Yeah, we had looked everywhere out of state and ended up finding this Montana, like locally, close to us, but it had been parked there. Um, and he only lived in it for a year while he remodeled the home. And therefore, it sat there for about three and a half years before he sold it. And so it just was dirty. It was in great shape. And the, the tanks weren't great. Uh, the black and the gray, we knew that. Um, so we're doing well remodeling. And as you peel back layers, you realize, oh, okay, that's got to be fixed now. Now, <laughs> yeah. oh, the way they did that, I've got to fix that and then do what I want to do. So there's a lot of that. But then uh, uh, three days before we were leaving, we discovered that um, through a, just putting a little bit of water into the black tank to flush it out and clean it out, um, it actually burst. And then uh, it, what it, you mean burst. It, it, it exploded and everything poured out into our friend's driveway where we were doing the remodel. Yeah. And uh, and then we was, found out it wasn't okay. just the black tank. It was the gray tank. And we were about to leave. And huge story there. But we had major issues with getting it fixed, getting it done. We were delayed. We had a temporary fix, left, came back, had mm-hmm. the other fix yeah. done. So we've encountered those things, which we anticipated, but I think that anything with a black tank, I think everybody would agree, is not your favorite thing to deal with. Uh, right. No. And so that was a major ordeal to navigate through yeah. that. And we had to, you know a couple other things that weren't too bad, but you know, we had a warranty, which was great, and so that took care of a lot of things. Um, and we've had some issues with the fridge on the road and trying to get that done. So you know, the things that we some that we expected because people before us talked to us about a number of these things. Um, and some things are just, you know, of course, unexpected. Now, I think yeah. the, the important follow-up question is here. Black tank explosion, someone's driveway. Are you guys still friends? <laughs> <We're> still, <laughs> yeah, we are. We're still really. friends. She wasn't home. So oh, I just okay. really quick, quick. Like, well, we, <laughs> had a, we had a power washer, and thank God we did because we used that thing and cleaned the heck out of her driveway. So yeah. she didn't even know. You know, Darren, not and not to be not to be so uh, just real with, it, but like it's one thing when it's yours; it's another oh, thing yeah. when it's not some when it's not when somebody else is on the driveway. We oh, hadn't yeah. even used the trailer. We oh. hadn't even used it, and unfortunately, like, and it wasn't just a crack; it like it burst, and then the gray burst, and we don't know how this all happened. But yeah, so those are the things that. But you know, this is I think what helped prepare us even before we left is like we've got to be flexible. We got to be available to like adjust when we need to and so that was a good lesson early on for sure yeah i mean i think it's great that you guys gutted it too because ultimately if we're really fair to these rigs they're made to be used three or four times a year which sounds nuts that someone would own it and only use it three or four times a year and we we really put it to the stress test and so it is fun when you can get in there and really see and kind of know what's kind of wrong or potentially could go wrong and you know what? If you have to have a black tank explode, it's much better at a friend's house that's not home than in a campground, you know, kind of a thing. So, I mean, I'm glad it happened before yeah. you guys took off. And, sure. and that's that's exactly the thought that we had, that we were happy it happened before we had left rather than on the road because we were able to take care of it. And we literally had a mobile mechanic that we met and came and he was doing us a favor um, by replacing something in the slide. And he was here when it busted. Mm. And so he knew what to do. He got us in after hours at an RV repair place close by. And he spent uh, from 5 p.m. till 3 a.m. in the morning that on weekend on his own time to get it done for us. Wow. Um, so, like the, so just crazy timing, right, in terms of when that happened. Because at any other time, it would have been much more difficult for us to navigate. No, totally. I see that. And so you guys took off in April and give me just a little bit of a, a rundown of what your travel has been like so far. Yeah, sure. So we took off in uh, in April and we actually uh, from California ended up going to, we stayed in the area for just a little bit. We had some trips up north and then we ended up in Arizona. Uh, we, were, we were there for a bit. Our daughter got married in Arizona. So we were there to enjoy uh, that. Um, and we had left from there uh, on the West Coast. So we did Oregon, Washington, uh, into Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, the Dakotas, 
you know, Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Yeah. And so I think about 10, 11 states so far that we've yeah. gone through. About 6,000 miles. Yeah, over 6,000 miles. And we've moved, uh, you know, we've moved quite a bit. Um, but part of it also is because of the work that we're doing as well. And so uh, the travels have been great. Uh, you know, we, this balance of being able to work remotely, figuring that piece out, and then in addition to that, you know, enjoying, right, the scenery and the places that we're at. It's taken us a while to acclimate and to adjust um, and realizing, oh, we, we get to do this. Like, this is working and we get to do this and that we're not going home. Yeah. This is our home because um, we've sold the house and the cars and much of what we have. So this is where we're at. And so I, it took a while to acclimate to that during our travels, but the travels have been good. We've learned a lot. Um, and experienced a lot. So I think every moment um, and every stop, we I think we're acclimating a bit more yeah. and adjusting and For sure. really understanding how to be present, you know, in this type of like structure. Yeah, I think what's weird too, that a lot of people don't understand with this lifestyle. I had one of those just like aha moments. I was speaking at an event in Lima, Ohio, and like people were going out to a bar afterwards. So it was kind of that, that that old, like, hey, the coworkers are going to go out and drink afterwards. And I, and I hadn't had that, like, for, like, four years where I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I? Because you just, as an RVer, you don't really get invited into those situations or moments. And then it really, like, yeah. triggered where I was like, I had a lot of those moments in my life where I was at parties <laughs> or events where I was like, wait, how did I end up here? I don't get why yep. I'm at this party. I should be doing something else. And it was funny yeah. that yeah. you just don't see those things, you know, down the road hitting you. What sounds like yeah. you guys have put on some good travel in the amount of time. Um, what has been kind of your sweet spot? Are you guys like, do you like staying at a place a couple of days, a week, two weeks? What's been your sweet spot that you find kind of the best for you guys? You know, honestly, like we would have preferred to be at each place, you know, a minimum of, you know, seven to 10 days. Um, we've had a couple that have been like almost two weeks. That's been great. Um, part of it was because of planning, because we were so immersed in a month and a half of getting this ready and our timing to the household that, um, I didn't dig into a lot of the trip planning as much as I should have. And so we kind of had to scramble. So we've had some shorter stays because of that. Um, but we've worked through it, but the sweet spot I would say is for us, probably around that time frame, we're hitting a, a, a time where we're going to be in places for a little longer now. Yeah. For about two weeks, a little more, uh, we'll be in Tennessee for almost, you know, yeah. close to a month. Um, so we're now hitting some moments where we're stretching it out a bit more, which is great. And we're enjoying that. But because of the nature of what we do, um, sometimes we're just adjusting as we go and being flexible. And sometimes we're just going to have to be shorter. So we're learning that, you know, what we thought may not be. And, you know, kind of just go with the, the flow of it. Yeah, without a doubt. Are you guys noticing the the kind of weird phenomenon of where you're at popular parks and just how deserted they become on a Sunday and then, you know, you have that yep. time and then Friday <laughs> it just ramps up again? <laughs> yeah, especially during the summer. Yeah. So yeah. we're noticing that now, you know, we booked this place and we're like, well, we have nothing else available. And I'm looking around me like, um, there's like eight of us here right now, you know, in a park that fits, you know, 200 plus people. So you know, um, who we are. Yeah. That kind of like, you know, people come and go and you connect, have a great conversation. And then the next day they're gone without a doubt. Yeah. I, I met a yeah. guy that likes to, <laughs> likes to say goodbye to people. Like that was his time uh -huh. where he'd come out and talk to you. I thought that's kind of funny. Cause if he doesn't like you, you're leaving. So it doesn't, that's a great time to be like right. you're out there being an extrovert, <laughs> but there's really not a big commitment there. Um, and I think a good transition into work would be it, along with the renovation, you guys did something that a lot of people talk about. So I was kind of excited when I saw this in the notes, you guys wrapped and branded the RV as well too, in regards to your work. So let's first talk about the wrap and then we can transition into what you work. Tell me about that process. Yes. Yeah, so we made a decision that, um, you know, it was one of those gambles, like, do we do this or not because of the expense of it? So we made a decision to actually uh, wrap the entire 38 feet of this fifth wheel. And so we uh, branded it uh, to what we're doing. Uh, we wrapped it. It becomes, I would say marketing, but it becomes kind of our calling sign as we go into places and open the door for conversations. And so, yeah, so we made a decision. So it was a lot of work. Uh, we did it, had it, you know, we helped design it and did it locally in the area that we were at. Um, and so it's branded and wrapped from the cap all the way to the very back, you know, top to bottom. Um, but it's been, it's been pretty interesting. It, it honestly, 
if we had not done that, um, I don't think we would have had the engagement and connectivity that we've had with For people, sure. individuals, and places. Yeah. So it's really been, I think, one of the biggest things that we actually have done. Now, I might yeah. edit this out depending on the answer, but with your guys' research, did that make your rig a commercial rig by wrapping it? So we are a nonprofit, so it did make what we are doing a commercial. So in essence, everything that we do uh, is is a write-off for us. Okay. From the truck that is also you know tagged and has logo on it and all that to the actual work that we do in here um, and with it becomes a write-off for us. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah, because I see where people, and I'm always the guy that's kind of battling it from just like the logical standpoint. If a dealer can throw their logo on my RV, why can't I throw my, you know, let's just say it was just an Instagram with Rootless Living Mag on it. And I've had tons of people that'll come in and say, hey, as soon as you do that, it becomes commercial. I'm like, I don't think that makes it commercial until I make it a commercial vehicle. You know, correct. A, a full wrap possibly at that point. I mean, I've even heard rumors that campgrounds don't like full wraps, but I've talked to Joel over at Harvest Host and he, you know, even though he owns Harvest Host, he has stayed at campgrounds. He's never ran into an issue. And so I didn't know if you guys had ran into an issue at all with it being fully wrapped like that. Um, yeah, we have not run into anything. In fact, we have, we have had such great conversations with campground host owners I bet. Um, that, Hey, you're the talk of the, the campground. Like no one has in any way, because what we have is not so much marketing as it is maybe message related. Um, and it's not anything that we sell per se. Yeah. So a bit different. We don't market or sell within the campground, right? Because I know some are opposed to that. Mm -hmm. And so we're very careful with it, but we have had no pushback whatsoever. In fact, we have had people very excited that we were coming through. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the business. Let's talk about what's wrapped on the side of this RV and what you guys are doing. Yeah, so we uh, so we have had a nonprofit called Twenty Four Seven Marriage for the last thirteen years, um, and so what that involves is we are actually a nonprofit, and we uh, coach, do workshops, uh, boot camps, uh, and resources and podcasts, uh, all related to helping marriages um, and those that are dating as well. And so the work that we do is really helping marriages improve, helping them grow, help them solidify. Um, and marriages that are in trouble. We do a lot of coaching intensives to help marriages get unstuck and kind of get past the seasons or difficulties they're navigating. And so we had been doing that. And honestly, as we kind of step back and look at where we're at, and even looking during this time where, you know, people were on lockdown and things were shifting and will people travel as much? And we were doing virtual, but then we were also doing a lot of things live and in person. And so we made a decision, like, how can we reach more people because our calls increased uh, and people reaching out for help and support? And so we thought, how can we actually reach and impact more people? Um, and we love doing what we love, what we do. And because we're a nonprofit, um, we are, you know, supported by individuals, peoples, um, organizations, even churches. And so that's been a huge part of it. But yeah, so we're marriage coaches, uh, per se, backgrounds in, you know, counseling, psychology and all that. But we uh, love doing what we get to do. So we made a decision, let's take what we do. And the rig is branded as the Marriage Lab. So it's a little bit of a play on our last name, which is Labrador. Um, but it is a Marriage Lab. It has caricatures of us on mm -hmm. you know, multiple sides and on the back. Yeah. Uh, it talks about what we do. It has our tagline on there. And uh, yeah, so it's just a cool branding thing. But it's really kind of like the opportunity in the door that gets open that we can have conversations with people. And Damien, I'm telling you, man, the amount of people that that, you know, there's RV etiquette about coming up and knocking on the door and disturbing, but we have people who come and knock on our door, who yeah. come and ask questions, who stop us, who, when we go for a walk, Hey, are you those guys from the marriage lab and ask questions and engage. And just when we pulled into where we're at with, you know, that evening, we had a gentleman coming up asking questions and then talking about his marriage and wanting some advice. And yeah. we see that all the time and we're glad to help in those areas. So that's what we get to do, and it's been fun taking it on the road and doing it, you know, with the marriage lab. Yeah, I could almost see how, you know, especially backing in a fifth wheel, how just your services in the campground could be really helpful. We've talked about that. We'll stand next to somebody back in and say, like, hey, we're here for you whenever you need it, right? <laughs> you just start handing out yeah. cards at that moment. Wow, the, <laughs> the closure rate is so much better when people are backing up. Um, right. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I mean, full disclosure, I've been married twice and divorced twice. I mean, I got married at twenty. I mean, literally like twenty. I wasn't even legally able to drink at my wedding, which is just wow. too young to be getting married. Nobody should get married that young. And I, I see the twenty four seven, and I feel like, yeah, you've done this for thirteen years, but this is a whole different level when you're living and traveling in an RV. It really does bring the twenty four seven like to life because it's just it does. it's different. Like it, it's just weird how. A marriage doesn't feel necessarily 24-7 when you both have separate jobs, you're going to different jobs, you're doing, you know, you're splitting up the kind of the home life. But when you're in an RV and there's usually one vehicle and that kind of stuff, it really is, you know, I, I think either marriages from what I've seen, and I, I definitely want to ask you, they either really flourish in this environment or it really exposes some of the weaknesses that maybe they just didn't know they had in their marriage. It's almost like something you should do early on, be like in, almost like in dating, you'll be able to figure it out. If you can travel for a year you're going to be fine. What are you guys finding in, you know, in kind of the difference now that you're RVing and, and obviously talking to other RVers? Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. I get, we've been married 28 years. Um, and, you know, people ask us, you know, what's the most difficult year of marriage? And we always tell them like, oh, what's the year you're in, right? Like it's not year one or two, it's the year you're in. And so for us too, like we, even though we've been married 28 years, it's this place of understanding that, um, we get to practice what we do every single day. It's not like it ever gets shut off, right? So what we're talking to people about, we're living it and trying to practice that. Um, but what we have found is people are absolutely, um, yeah, living in a smaller, confined type of space. Um, it does add additional pressure and weight to the relationship. Whether you're married or whether you're dating, you know, on the road together, like it adds this additional weight and pressure. We've, we've felt that. And so we're finding how do you how do you do that balance right of being able to be here, be together in a smaller space, and then still respect one another in terms of the space that you need and that's healthy and good. Um, so yeah, so we hear a lot of that. People ask all the time, like, "How are you doing it in that small space? Like, how are you guys doing like together?" But we've also have always done that. Well, we've together. always been together, and so it's been a natural thing for us. Yeah, but we still understand like you know, I'll go work outside when I'm able to, right? And spend a good portion of my time out there and she'll be inside. She may go to the bedroom work and I may be sitting out here. Today we went to a coffee shop for a while and we worked there and then came back. And, and so I think it's just finding that balance and we're, we're getting there, but we, we, we see a lot of couples who that has been a struggle for them when they're doing full-time RVing. Um, it's kind of finding that balance and like being okay with each other, especially during the time of COVID. Like, right, people were now quarantined early on together and they hadn't spent that much time together right during their time of being married <laughs> and now they are yeah right. oh i you know i didn't actually even think about that you're right especially you throw the dynamic where so many people went remote so many people had to start homeschooling yeah. that weren't homeschooling yeah. i really don't know if i would have been able to homeschool i think i would have yeah. lost my mind in this that process so i feel <laughs> yeah. for people i stopped being able to help them like with third grade homework if i'm going to be honest so i don't know what i would do and then you're right. Wow, that's interesting. I guess I didn't really think about that. Most couples have probably faced some sort of, you know, real kind of challenges through this that I'm putting on RVers that they're experiencing the same thing just at home because of all the limitations yeah. you could do. Yeah, great call out. I mean, so yeah, if you yeah. are, if you're listening to this and you're a wonderluster and you hope to go full-time RV and you're noticing some cracks in your marriage, it probably has a lot more to do with your circumstances in the relationship. And then there's obviously things you probably need to do to help with the relationship now that you've seen those yeah. cracks. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and that, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great point. And I think like, whether you're in this environment, or a different environment, like those cracks are going to happen, right? Stuff's going to happen. And so, but I, I think it's like in this lifestyle for people who are listening to this and you're, you're you know, of course, you know, full-time RVing and, working like yeah it's it's finding this balance and this this rhythm and constantly we're constantly communicating and talking about it and like are you okay are you okay and you know and then also like because you also don't have that community of people that you used to have maybe when you were you know living rooted somewhere else like now you know like you're out there you're nomad and like and so that community shifts and changes and so just really finding that place, that healthy balance yeah. and rhythm that... Um, that changed a lot for us yeah. because we had a big community and people in our house all the time. I mean, there were people eating around our dinner table yeah. all the time. Um, so this has forced us to, okay, we got to FaceTime some friends or let's call so-and-so and just check in. So 
so that we keep that connection yeah. for us. Otherwise, sometimes it can feel a little bit lonely. Yeah. And with the work we do, we kind of uh, remodel and built this in, in a way that, you know, we want to invite people into our living room to have a conversation with them if they'd like. And that's happened or to yeah. have to have a meal with them to do coaching. Like, and so that's part of like what we do. Our door is open for that reason. And it can become tiring uh, because of, you know, it's, you're kind of like on, if you will. Um, but at the same time, like that's just part of what we love to do and what we get to do. No, without a doubt. I mean, I think you're, you're hitting a bunch of really good nerves for, I think a lot of people, no matter where they are in their relationships or even in business. I mean, there's some good stuff here that like, I was thinking just now, like, how are you guys getting clients and especially, you know, moving around? Cause I would almost assume and make the wrong assumption that marriage counseling isn't one session and then, Hey, see you later. You guys have all the tools, take care. And obviously there's remote and the ability to zoom and do things like that. But as you're traveling, is it with like where groups are bringing you in to help do that or explain how you guys are getting clients and moving around? You want to answer that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. And so we are being a nonprofit. Again, we have people like a lot of nonprofits who partner support, right. And believe in the work that we get to do and they help support that. And so that's, that's one way. And so then we also are doing where we're invited in to do a workshop and, and so that could be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so we're doing workshops that way and we're marketing that, right. Whether it's just an organization oh, to whether church brings us in to whether an individual wants to put this together um, or we're actually creating our own right in advance, knowing where we're going to be like in Tennessee, we're working on potentially doing a workshop there that we're putting together and inviting people into that from connections we have through social media and other marketing and people on our mailing list. So we're doing some of that marketing. So workshops, we do boot camps, and those boot camps are um, from individuals who are just following us through social media, um, who have just been connected or been referred by somebody else. And so that's one way um, with our coaching. So we move a lot from counseling to coaching and coaching because it's a lot of very forward moving, um, asking a lot of powerful questions. Um, and so we do a little bit of a hybrid of kind of the counsel coach, but a lot of it's virtual. But what we did while we're on the road is we're offering coach intensives. And that means that we're actually connecting with a couple who say, hey, we've got this like one issue that's been a big deal for a long time. And we want to kind of dig into that. So we actually end up doing coaching with them. And it could be four, six or eight hours in a session. Um, and so we, they come in, we're having meals with them. We're talking, we're having some breaks but we're actually spending a day with them helping invest. And so that's good on the face-to-face, -face, but we are still doing a lot of virtual, right? And, you know, when and making sure we have good connectivity as much as we can everywhere we go. And so we end up doing a lot of virtual. So a lot of marketing, a lot of social media is where our um, contacts are coming from. And then a lot of individuals that's just word of mouth who have been connected with us and somebody talked to somebody, somebody refers us or they coach with us. Now they're talking to this yeah. individual. We've also had a lot of people that have seen us in campgrounds. So they're yep. like, Hey, yep. I saw you guys in Oregon. I live in Michigan. Can we schedule a session? Um, I see a lot of those messages come through too. So there are a lot of people um, when we're driving, people take pictures of our rig all the time. Um, people are, it's very, they're very inquisitive and yeah. want to know more. And I, I often, once we leave a park, I'll notice we've gained a lot more followers because people that are in the park, they usually will follow us on social media. Yeah. So that, those are kind of the ways that we've done that, have marketed and also have increased in terms of like what we're doing uh, in terms of work wise and how we're getting, I don't want to say clients, but how we're getting, you know, reaching those people. reaching people and those yeah. partners we're working with. Any, do you guys, have you guys written books at all? So we're in the actual process of, yeah. of writing a book right now. Nice. Um, and so e-courses we're releasing. Um, and, you know, a lot of it's been to our workshops and boot camps. But, yeah, we're in yeah. the process of doing that. Yeah. We have an e-course that's up for sale on our website. And we also have a ton of free downloads for couples. So we've got some communication pop quiz and stuff like that so there's we're trying to resource people um in a in a tangible way um that they can get for free get right now um that might help them right where they're at that's very cool yeah i mean obviously with two divorces i went through some you know i would say marriage counseling family counseling mm -hmm. with the kids mom and i think the biggest takeaway i got from 
like at least round one. And I could see how virtual would be so much better because a lot of times the drives there and then the drive away were like the worst part of the session. So just like <laughs> jumping on a Zoom would be amazing. Yeah. But I am, I, I'm not as much anymore because I'm trying to be as honest by saying I felt like I was a real liar then. And I, and I wanted to keep this facade. So when I came into these sessions, I fought more to keep the lies. And mm, yep. it really doesn't allow the people that are trying to help you help you if you're lying to them. You know, or even as a yeah. couple, if you're like, if you're like, hey, we can't talk about this. Okay, we won't talk about that. But that could be the main thing that's really messing things up. So, you know, I've, I find that, I mean, I don't know why I just felt like sharing that, but I remember just having that aha moment, probably a good time into, you know, some sort of therapy or especially solo one-on-one therapy where I was like, yeah. why am I lying? This is a safe space. Yeah. Why am I lying? It's not going <laughs> to help anyone. It doesn't help them. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. I mean, self-preservation, right? And so we, 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 we hide behind our elaborate fig leaf, our facade and like, and, and, but we tell couples because we're very straightforward. Like we don't, we don't, we don't hold anything you're back. So we tell them like, listen, this only works if you're open and vulnerable because there's no judgment here. Like we've seen it, heard it. Yeah. Like it really, honestly, there's nothing you can say or do. And we don't see you differently. Like you've got stuff, we've yeah. got stuff. And so it works if you're open, it works if you're completely honest. Um, cause that's how it's going to, that's how it's going to happen. But we also tell couples and like, we, yeah. you don't have a marriage problem. You have a you and a you problem that's happening within your marriage or your relationship right now. Right. Um, and so it's two individuals coming together and working through that. And so I, I think we're, we're, we're able to see a, a lot of that and, and making those connections as we're on the road. So yeah. that's kind of been the coolest part is like seeing people have like these aha moments when we have these conversations with them. And we've had couples that we've coached. And we've done one, two, three sessions, and then they stop because um, they're just not ready to be open and vulnerable. And we keep going around the same thing. So it's like, well, when you're ready, we'll always be here. But yeah, it, it's a, it's definitely a vulnerable moment for people sure. that they have to step into. Yeah, and I think it's also the the moment of, you know, I don't know if someone's listening right now, especially the men that are listening that might say, Hey, I'm never going to go to therapy. I'm too tough of a guy. You know, <laughs> Hey, look, I'm six, six, I'm 280 pounds. I'm covered in tattoos. I have a giant beard. I used to think I was a gangster and I still went to counseling and counseling is so good, not just for yourself, but your family, your kids. Um, yeah. so if that is something that's some stigma, that's, you know, my dad never would have went to counseling or, you know, whatever it is, that's fine. It can totally change everything for you and your family and your marriage. And, you know, if anyone that's been divorced and had to like start over and, oh, it just, I always look back being like, I should have just put the effort into the first marriage. I probably would, who knows, maybe I'd still be married, you know, kind of a thing. I mean, I, I see my parents celebrating 50 and I never thought they'd get the 50 years because I saw all that kind of just stuff they went through, but obviously they've found a way to work through it because you are right. It's, I think my dad was the one that told me that, that I'm just taking my problems from one marriage to the other. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I haven't changed at all, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's still me. Wherever I go, it's me. So it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes it takes, you know, people a little time to realize that, but ultimately like it's, 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 pers it's personal ownership and it's owning that. And so, yeah. And I do hope it's helpful for anybody listening to, to recognize that. And like, you know, we're, you know, I'm like you, right. I'm, you know, tattoo beard, like that whole thing. It's like, you know, and, and I think that's part of like with what we get to do, we become relatable to people because of who we are. Um, and we we don't have it together. Like we're doing this whole life and we're figuring it out. We've had moments where she's not my favorite person. I'm not her favorite person because we're just navigating some difficulties in this new life and trying to figure it out. Um, but there's a lot of grace for each other. But there's also a lot of like, OK, like, yeah, you're not my favorite person right now, but I, I'm for you. I believe in you and I love you. And we're doing this. Right. And so I think it's keeping that mindset, especially like, you know, if you're out on the road and you're doing this together, like you're going to be okay. Right. It's just a matter of acknowledging, like, you know, we may not solve this right now, but we're going to, we're going to figure this out together. I think this is actually a great transition in the sense that, I mean, obviously you guys are traveling together. You guys are working together. What are you guys doing to kind of decompress from all that? Cause that's gotta be a lot. And so what do you guys like yeah. you're doing and, and are these adventures, hobbies, exploring, is it different than what you did back home in California? For sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. In terms of different, yeah, yeah. I, I think, well, because Shannon didn't want to, my wife, right, didn't <laughs> really enjoy going out and doing a lot of stuff sometimes, not going out, but like going out, maybe hiking with me or going in the well, boat. When, we, when, when the girls are small. Because our girls, like she was so focused on them and yeah. they didn't do much of that with me. And so, and I'm very outdoors, adventure, let's go. 
I'd rather be outside than inside all the time. And so for us, like yeah. when Shan tells me go take a hike, I take it literally and I go take a hike. <laughs> so we are finding, um, yeah, so yeah. we are finding times where like a lot of times during the week, like we're in here and we're just working and we're in a place that's beautiful, but we may, we still go explore. It could be take a drive later in that day or giving ourselves permission to like, you know, take half that day to go explore a little bit and then work in that evening. Uh, we are weekends are typically we unplug um, and we go explore. And so for me, like I'll go hike. I love fly fishing. Um, I will, you know, whether it's kayak, ride a bike, whatever it may be, but finding adventure anywhere I can. Yeah. And now what's awesome is different season, like having Shannon join me in doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have the girls, so we're kind of unencumbered. And, um, and we're just in different parts of the, the states are so pretty here. So being out, um, river rafting and tubing and, uh, running bikes and doing the, you know, a couple miles, you know, tracks is, it's, it's really been fun. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the, like, adventure. The adventure is not just the activity, I guess, for us. And the, the adventure is also the fact that we get to do this together and enjoy this moment. So we don't want to get that we're, you know, there's this responsibility because we have a board as a nonprofit. There's a responsibility to, to respond to our board, be accountable but also the people who help and support and part of us and just doing the work that we're doing. So you feel that responsibility, but also at the same time, you know, of just having that work, but then also like knowing that you need to breathe and you need to have adventure and things that you're doing individually and together that helps refresh you for what you are doing. And so I think for us, it's, it's drawn us closer together. Uh, we get to enjoy those things together. And we have moments where I, I look at her, I'm like, you know, we were biking on Mackinac Island um, in Upper Michigan uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I turned around and it's just gorgeous. And I'm like, we get to do this. This is crazy, right? <laughs> and then we get to continue doing the work that we're doing. And so, um, it's worth it. It's it's worth every sacrifice you know that we made to get here. Yeah. Um, and so the adventure is a big piece yeah. of it, I think. Yeah, there are moments. Probably also. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Probably also for us is uh we're introverted by nature. So the work that we do is usually around coaching or we're speaking at a workshop or a boot camp. So when Javi and I can unplug and just be alone, um, we really like our alone time too. So we're, we're good with hunkering down and, um, yeah. And you're making, great and making a great meal and yeah. And you're, and you're great with, I'm going to go fish for a number of hours and she's going to just hang out. Right. And read a book. And like, yeah. so even that for us is like, that's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm what's called an omnivert. So I get energy, you know, as an only child being by myself, I really enjoy it. But then I also really enjoy being around people, but both are, can be really draining too for me, which is weird. Yeah. So I get like, I get like the ups and downs of both sides in a way, which is, <laughs> which is yeah. interesting. But it's funny you talk about the biking, like around the Island. I have this thing I do with my roommate, Nikki, where I'll just say to her, hey, Nikki, and she knows what I'm going to say. As soon as the way I say, hey, Nikki, I'm like, can you believe this is our life? Like, and it, there's just moments where I want to pull out that are, I would say, very micro in the scheme of things. But when you start adding up all those little, can you believe this is our life moments, they become really macro and you really see it. And yeah. I, too, am from California. I'm from the coast, a little bit southern than you guys in Southern California. But it was weird that one, no RV experience, just like you. I mean, it sounds like Javier, you had a little bit more outdoor adventuring, but I really didn't do much. I mean, probably my first real big hike was on this trip, you know, this yeah. last four years. And it was weird that I lived in this area that everyone talks about that point. And don't get me wrong. I, I rode bikes and I surfed and I did all this stuff, but at some point in my thirties, that kind of stuff just went away. And it was more of just the focus of work and kids, work and kids. And that's all you're doing. And it's different when I'm back out here. It, granted, I I don't have the kids, which makes a lot of sense what you were saying, Shannon. But I just notice I'm doing so much more of that that yeah. I normally never did. And it's weird that yeah. this has switched in me where I'm like, I love a hike. I never thought I'd say I love a hike. You know? <laughs> but I do. I love it. And, and remember, too, in California, you had the park so far away from where the hike entrance was that you had yeah. to hike to the hike entrance and then hike. And that yeah. never made it fun. 
So right? maybe yeah. that's why I didn't do it to kind of do my own thing. Well, yeah, it is, it is, it is different. Just like you said, I, I would agree with you. It's different in the sense of like, I don't know. There's a, a sense of like, not that you have to because of these places, but like, oh, I get to do this. Like, and I want to enjoy every moment of this and be present in it. And it has taught me to be present. It has taught me to slow down. It has taught me to enjoy all these moments. And like, even just having this opportunity to talk about, you know, with you is, and as we talk about this, it, it's a reminder um, to reset and recognize that you get to live this way. And a lot of people are on the outside looking in and saying, I wish I could do that. Um, that would be amazing. And I think people can, it requires some sacrifice, but again, like I think what you sacrifice, you know, far outweighs, you know, the reward and the beauty of it, even when your refrigerator is not working or your black tank breaks. Right. Without a doubt. And I think we forget too sometimes <laughs> that we had those problems before in a bricks and sticks. We were just more prone to like just calling someone and having them fix it. Where now we're a lot yes. more self-reliant where we have to figure it out, especially depending on the place or where you're at, if you're out boondocking and, I was that guy. Yeah. I, I just hired people where now I've had to be like, okay, I need to, I need to just be able to figure this out because it's not always yeah. going to work. So it actually improves Very it there true. too, which is cool. Okay. So we've talked a, a little bit about the exploring. I want to do is transfer into this, uh, what I like to call the high low. I always like to start with the low cause I don't want to end with a high, but in this lifestyle and they can be together as a couple or they can be independent. You guys can each share one. What's been a low that maybe you didn't expect in regards to going full-time and I've got some rules, which one you've already talked about. Can't be a black tank. Can't be internet. Can't be flat tire. Can't be COVID. But what's been something that, you know, you just didn't expect in this lifestyle that, you know, has hit you in, you know, kind of the low kind of way. I think for me, um, I was really excited to be empty nesters, but once we got on the road, I didn't fully expect, um, it to hit me in such a hard way that I really missed my girls. Um, even though like one lives in California, one lives in Arizona. Um, it's, I felt where I was located before with our house that I was in close proximity to both of them. And now I feel so far from them. Like if I had to get to them, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to get on a plane. I'm like four hours away from them. And there's some moments where I'll just be like, Oh my God, gosh, I really miss them. And I didn't fully expect it because I really thought I knew myself that I was like, I'm good. Like I raised great girls. They're moving on with their life. They're doing their thing. And now we're doing our thing. And um, I kind of shocked myself with that. Yeah. A I, sadness. I could, I could totally see that. I sometimes feel like a terrible parent or dad because like as soon as, like even my youngest went to go, she lived with me when she was about two and around 16, 17 is how old she was when I left. And she had already talked to me about wanting to move back with her mom and spend her senior year with her mom. And I was like, oh, you bet, let's go. Because I you know, I already had the older daughter through senior year, which was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. where I was like, oh, this will be fantastic. I'll fly you out. You can visit me. And I did this thing recently about all four of the kids and they all got to bring a significant other. We did this boat trip on Lake Mead and I, I was probably within the first two days of them just like they hadn't really all been around each other. Either one lives in New York and the other ones are kind of spaced out in California. And they just got back to that bickering kind of fighting brother and sister stuff, you know, especially with four and, you know, being the ages of 30 and 20 and in between. And I really just had that moment. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why it's not me being a bad dad. I just who wants to be around this? And I felt a lot better. <laughs> where I was like, this is terrible. And I'm spending way too much money for a vacation. We could have just stayed at home and fought. But they're great kids. And it was good to see them together as adults. It's, it's very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but I totally get the loneliness, especially COVID, because my plan was to always be able to fly them out every once in a while and stay with me. And obviously that I went probably 18 months, the longest I've ever gone, obviously, uh, without seeing my kids. And I, I totally get it. Like where I was just like, this sucks. This is not the plan. Yeah. I didn't want to be away this long from them. Javier, how about yeah. you? What's been a low for you? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I would, I would say it's, it's very similar for both of us because we're very relational people and we're so connected with a community of individuals where we were living at. I mean, it's just who we are. Like we're, we, we consider ourselves servant leaders. Like we serve to serve first and we love doing that. And so for me, um, yes, I miss my girls deeply, deeply, deeply. But for me, I think the loneliest sometimes has come is like missing just some of the, the deep friendships that we had where I could sit across the table from a friend face to face and have a coffee and just unload on what's going on 
or sitting here where they're at. So I think that face-to-face interaction with, I would say, with my with my buddies, with my guy friends, I had a very few right ones I could go deep with and really trusted. Um, hey, let's go fishing. Hey, let's go do this. Or, you know, and we'd sit and we'd have those moments. Um, and I really valued that. And so I think it's missing that, not having that, you know, on the road. A few times we've had that, connecting with some friends yeah. on the road. You can call them, but it's not the same. It's just not the same yeah. when I'm, you know, calling them or on a quick, you know, video call with them. So I think just the face-to-face and the hanging out with my buddies that I think was good and refreshing for me at times um, definitely has been a little bit of a low. Yeah, and I will say that probably, you know, leaving in 2017, I had both, I would consider, you know, really good, close guy friends and then obviously uh, girlfriends as well. And obviously, you know, I'm traveling with my best friend and she's a female. And for me, the guy relationships suffered because they didn't transfer well to virtual because it really yeah. was more the coffee shop or, you know, for them, cause I don't drink, let's grab a brew and I'll have an old duels and we'll sit and talk. It's just, it just hasn't transferred well for my guy relationships. And I know as a, as a married guy, you know, I didn't have a lot of those obviously close female relations, but single guy, I have a lot of those and those have transferred well because that's one of the ways they're able to communicate different, at least in my friends mm-hmm. I've noticed. And so I could see how that could be really tough. You lose that, that guy kind of just bro closeness, but it's funny that you mentioned the coffee shop too, because even though it's not nearly, you know, missing the guy friends, I miss going into my local coffee shop and they just know who I am. And a couple of the customers yeah. <laughs> there, the regular, there is that little cheers kind of moment that you do yeah. start to miss. So anytime mm-hmm. I'm at a place like yeah. for a month or two, I like where, you know, the gym starts to recognize you or the coffee shop. It, there's something about that that you do start to like. What's been, yeah. uh, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to add, like, I think what has helped us in processing this, and it may not be true for everyone who's listening, but you know, we again reminding ourselves we get to do this and this is privilege, but also of the why that we're doing it. Um, and you know, in, in, and for us, it may be a season, so it's like understanding what's behind that. I think it helps in those moments that for us, we feel like we're on mission doing this, like we get to help people, and our girls know that, and our friends know that, and so that helps the reminding of the why you're doing it. I think at times, um, so that's been that's been good. I gotcha. No, totally. Uh, how about a high? What would have been the highs for you guys in this lifestyle? I think the high, the high for me is, I think everybody might say is like seeing the places that we've seen and just seeing the different cultures oh, or, yeah. you know, just areas and individuals and communities. Like that's been really good just to kind of experience that across, you know, the states that we've been. But also I think a, a high for me has been this this place of just, for me, what it's done is of letting go. Uh, a lot of freedom, uh, patience has grown, uh, the ability just to be really present um, and enjoy because I think previously it was go, 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 go. And I find myself slipping into that at times and I can remind myself like you know, where I'm at and what I get to do and be present in that moment. So I think a high for me is this has taught me how to actually like, let go and be present. So as you can see, I'm always a guy who loves to add value when I talk. <laughs> um, and so, but that's just true. I mean, for me, that's been true. I like, guess it's been a big thing in addition to like just seeing the things that we've seen and experiencing the people we've been able to experience. You know, you yeah. kind of caught yourself for a second there. You were, you were about to say cultures and you kind of stopped and rephrase it. But I'll actually say that I actually really do feel that some of these states and counties mm-hmm. have a completely different yeah. culture. Yeah, they are still in the United States. It might not be a race-based or a religion-based culture, but there is something different. And I think that is yeah. a good word to use. I know how people could, you know, especially in a PC world that they could, hey, that's not a culture. If you're going from Alabama to Mississippi, that is a different culture even itself there too, especially California to the south is a huge yeah. culture shock yeah. in a way. And it, yeah, you're still yeah. in the United States, but I, I just, I heard that in you and like that little catch. Like, <laughs> you know what though? It's a good call out because it is true. And there's nothing wrong with it. We are, you know, we're, I agree. we're separate states, but we're united. And, and I think we just need to embrace each other's differences even in that micro, you know, I mean, there's other yeah. bigger yeah. macros that we need to really accept each other's differences. But in that macro, there's a micro, there's ones there too. Uh, Shannon, how about you? Yeah. What's been your high in this lifestyle? Uh, I can't. Um. 
I probably struggled more than Javier. Um, honestly, I feel um, I really love um, this is going to sound stupid, but I love the way that we remodeled our trailer so much that um, when we're away from it, like I'm kind of anxious when we're out all day, like I'm anxious to get back home because I love, I'm a, I'm a homebody. So the fact that my, the inside of our trailer feels like home and I feel so comfortable here is a high for me. So because going on the road and doing this full time is so unpredictable. There's so, there's so many unknowns and it can be scary um, from somebody who's very scheduled, who plans ahead, who's very like methodical and all my choices. So knowing that I have this safe place that's always like literally behind us. So it's like, okay, I don't like this campground, this whatever, but I come inside. I'm like, okay, I have my home. I can do my things. I can make us an awesome meal. I can cook. I can do the things that feed my soul. Um, so I just love feeling that safe place of that I have my home with me all the time, you know? There's Unlike when you're nothing. traveling and you're in hotels or whatever, right. you're you're never you're never you never really feel at home. So I love that I always feel I have this safe place. I will 100% say there's nothing stupid about that. I think Javier will agree to that too. <laughs> the way you kind of phrased that out in the beginning that it doesn't I, I love it when, you know, that's why I like doing this because as soon as you said it, I kind of got goosebumps because I'm like, you know what? It's going to be just the down to earth thing. She's not trying to talk about being at the top of, you know, Angel's Landing or something of that nature. I knew where you're going to go with this in a way. And it is, it really, this, it's, I think people that are listening probably fear that they won't have that sense of home. And to hear someone's high is that this really is a big sense of feeling home to the point when you're out doing things, you can't wait to get back yeah. to your RV. I think it's actually yeah. going to help a lot of people that might struggle with, it just won't feel like home, especially when you renovate it. Because, I mean, that's where I was getting yeah. goosebumps too when you're talking because we've lived in this for four years. We rented it about, you know, back in January at the end of the year, really. And it has really felt like home in a different, and I loved it before, but gutting everything yeah. were, because here's the weird thing. We've all lived in maybe some sort of cookie cutter or cul-de-sac at some point, but normally, uh -huh. and the exteriors can look the same, but normally the interiors don't. It was so weird to see people with the exact same interior home as mine. That was just yeah. a yeah. weird thing. <laughs> and so now I have my own, which is great. So that was a really good yeah. one. I, yeah. don't, don't ever tell anyone that's a stupid high again, because that was an awesome <laughs> high. So I'm stoked. Well, back to, back to when we bought it, it was, that was like a prerequisite when we were just toying with the idea. I told Javi, Whatever we do, the inside of it, if it does not feel like home to me, I will not be able to get get on board and do this with you. Like, I have to feel like I'm just so at peace and at home. So he, he works his tail off and down to every detail, he literally made all my dreams come true. And I absolutely love it yeah, in here. You heard that. There you go. <laughs> And I also heard Javi. I wish I would have known that at the beginning because that's all I've been calling you from moment one. I love that as well, too. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Javier, Javi. I get, just, I've been in very different places where people can't pronounce it in Michigan, Minnesota. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Speaking of where people can find you guys, I mean, obviously, we talked about a little bit of the business. We talked about the name. But um, I want to make sure I know where... Uh, people can find you. I'll list all this in the notes. So you don't have to write anything down, but can you let people know where they can find you both from the nonprofit side of things? And if you guys have personal socials you share as well too, feel free to do that, but no pressure. Yeah. So a, a, a big place for us is so we have our website, which is 247marriage.org. Um, that's a great place to connect and uh, get a hold of us. Uh, majority of our connection comes through social media, which uh, both at Instagram, Facebook, and on TikTok. Yeah, our handler um, name is the same. Is the same, which is at 247 Marriage. So very easy. So at 247 Marriage kind of gets a hold of us through all our social media. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a big place for us. So those are the main areas. You know, I'm at, you know, I'm Javier Labrador um, on Instagram. And Shan doesn't do too much personally on Instagram. Oh. Um, but a lot of it just goes through 24-7 Marriage. Uh, a lot of our connection, a lot of... Uh, what we do and even some of our personal stuff and story and where we're at um, really comes, you know, through that social media. Awesome. Well, before I let you guys go, I know I said kind of a little flub where 
maybe my marriages could have worked. If my exes are listening, that's not an invitation to call me. <laughs> it maybe could have worked then. It can't work today. It's been too long of a break, but just in case. But I appreciate you both really coming on the show. You guys were a ton of fun, and, and I really do hope that if people uh, – you know, if they have issues that maybe they don't even realize are issues just to reach out and uh, especially some of those free resources are probably a great step into this and then reach out to you guys if they actually really need more help. Yeah, thank you. Thank we you so we appreciate being on and appreciate you for the work that you're doing uh, through Elizabeth. I think it has an impact to help and resource people. So thank you for the work you're doing as well. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Javier and Shannon for coming on the show. And it's a great reminder that even if you have an established business, even a nonprofit, you can hit the road and still be successful and maybe even more successful. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links. And if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, Make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless. <laughs>